Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. Today we're continuing our series that we called Summer Stories, and we're talking about parables. And last week, someone came up front and said, Pastor, you know, this is what my mother always told me about parables, where they were earthly stories with heavenly meanings. I think that's a great definition of what uh, parables are. So um, there's a guy by the name of Mark Twain, who was an American author. This is his picture, um, that he was asked... He says, it has been said by a reporter, a reporter said, it has been said that you are one of the greatest storytellers ever to live. And he said, he replied, well, I would say to you that I'm not the greatest storyteller to ever live. And so the reporter said, well, if you're not the greatest storyteller ever lived, then would you tell me who is? He said, in my opinion, it's Jesus Christ. And so the reporter leaned in a little bit more and said, well, what story did Jesus tell that was so wonderful to you? He said, the greatest story ever told was the story of the prodigal son. And I think that is a great story that we all hear because we are all prodigal sons and daughters in this room. And so today I want to talk to you about uh, the prodigal son. It's called the lost son in our outline because many of the uh, the headings in the scripture has a lost son. The King James says prodigal son. So I'll probably refer to the prodigal today more than ever, uh, more than the lost son. What is a prodigal? A prodigal child is a child that, that grows up in a home, becomes rebellious, and then says, I'm leaving and actually leaves and then goes out and makes bad decisions and then eventually repents and make their way back that's the day that we as parents we all look for the day of repenting amen okay all right there's a few of us there's a few of us that had to do some repenting amen and come back amen okay so yeah so we're not just talking about them we're talking about us as well and so today what I want to do is I want to share with you now I, we're calling this, I'm talking about the prodigal son or prodigal child. As a matter of fact, I say four things to do when you're the father of a prodigal child. But if you're a mother of a prodigal child or if you're a father of your, your child's not a prodigal, they're doing very well. The lessons I'm going to teach you are transferable to mothers and fathers, anybody that is working with children today. So, so this is for all, but I'm going to refer again since it's Father's Day to fathers and then also to the prodigal. So I want to teach you four things today that, that I have learned and am learning and that God's word teaches us uh, about when being fathers. And again, if you're a mother, this applies as well. But how do we do this what, in a way, and, and especially when our children are not doing the right things? And, and again, today, you know, maybe I hope to God that everybody in this room that your children are doing really well. But, uh, you know, I know there's a likelihood that that's not the case with all of us. And then maybe you're the child that's not done so well. So I hope that you can take some of these principles today and apply them. But in, in looking at this story, if you're not familiar with the prodigal uh, son story, it's a story of a, of a man who had two sons 
And his son, one, the younger son, decided that he no longer wanted to live by his dad's rules. And so because of that, he made a decision that he would leave. But he didn't just make the decision that he was going to leave. He made a horrible decision, and he made a very insulting decision, and he asked his dad for his inheritance. Now, when he asked his dad for his inheritance, what that was really saying is, I wish you was dead so I could get my money. I wish you were dead so I could get my money. You know what, how many people still feel that way today? You know, as I preside over many funeral services, it seems sometimes that that's the case. Okay, now uh, let's get this burial over with so we can go split up the money. And you know what's crazy about that? In my position of getting to see that, it doesn't have to be a lot of money. It could be $100 people start fighting over it. Okay, never mind, all right. That's a different subject for another day. So let's get, let me give you, let's jump right into this. I want to give you four things and we're going to go through the story of the prodigal son. Um, and there, but I want to again lean into the, the father side of this. So four things to do when you're, you're the father of a prodigal child. Number one is this, fathers must let their children go. Mothers must let their children go. Okay, there we go. All right. Luke 15 and, 20, uh, 15 and 12, Luke says, The younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he, the father, divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in what, everybody? Wow. Oh, wild living. That's right. He was hanging out at every bar. Oh, he was checking it all out. Having a good old time, he thought. I want to, I want to stop right here and just at, at this verse because, again, I've already told you how insulting that was when the son said, I want mine. In other words, I wish you was dead. He was very rebellious. But the father had to make a decision to let him go. He didn't keep trying to hold on to him. And I think that that's one of the things that many of us, we struggle with. When is the time to let him go? Do you know the psychologists tell us that at about the age 11 is about the age where parenting begins to shift into the letting go process. Now, not, not saying, okay, you're out of this house, you're on your own. We want to do that many times, right? <laughs> but at about that time, you know, where puberty is beginning to happen and, and all of a sudden it's like you're holding on to your child from the age of, of one to about 11, but at 11, you start slowly letting them go, giving them freedoms, letting them make decisions, letting them have failures. Oh, at, at about that age. Now, I know this can be true because when, uh, you know, when our children were small, I would always go up every night and I would go up, you know, and pray with them before they went to sleep and, and, and read, read them a Bible story, a little, out of their little kid's Bible. And uh, I remember my, going up to my daughter's room when she was about 11 years old. And I went up to do the routine I do all, did all the time, the same routine. I went up to her room and I was going to pray with her and she, and she looked at me and she said, Get out of my room, you creeper. <laughs> I mean, out of nowhere. I mean, like, I've done, this is like, where did that come from? And I realized at that moment, it was a time of starting letting go. And you see, so, so it's a natural process. And when we try to hold on to our children too long, as long as we're trying to control them, God can never move in them. Okay, all right, all right. So, so. It's very, very difficult at times to let your children go. 
especially when it is time for them to leave the house. You know, I remember when our son, who left our home at about uh, 18, 19 years of age, and he left and he was going on his own way, and I can remember of having to say, okay, you know, you're going on your own, and that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to go on his own. And I remember having to let go, and it was one of the hardest things in the world to do is to let him go. But what I want to tell you is what I've discovered is this, is that as a parent, as a father, and, and as a parent, I would say that our role is not to hold on to our children forever. Our role is to teach our children to live this life without us. Amen? But never without God. Did you hear that? Our role as parents is to teach our children that they can to make it in this world without us, but they're to never ever try to live it without God. And, that, and to instill those values to the best that we can, amen? And we want, we want to make sure to teach our kids values and we want to teach our kids, listen, choose friends that have your values. Don't just choose friends that have your interests because a lot of people that have the same interests you have will take you down the wrong road. So make sure you choose your friends with, with the right values and the same values values that you have. Amen. And let me say that to every person in this room. Make sure that you choose your friends that have the same values. I don't care. I don't care if you're five or you're 50 or you're 100. Amen. Not just interest. Oh, we like the same thing. Well, make sure they got some values. All right. Now, for those of you that are wondering, okay, that that are wondering, like, when my child is living like a prodigal and, and you know, they're going the opposite of direction that we've, we want them to go or are against God, can I be happy in this moment? And the answer to that is yes. Is that it it's to, it's hurts your heart to see your children struggle, but it doesn't mean that you have to be depressed all the time. Amen, everybody. You pray for them. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but it's okay for, I want to give you permission to be happy even though your child may not be doing so well. Amen. For those of you that are worried about empty nesters and being an empty nester, what are we going to do when the kids leave? Well, let me just tell you, is that an amber alert? All right. Somebody's looking for that prodigal child right now, aren't they? <laughs> if you're worried about, oh, what's it going to be like when our kids leave? Let me tell you how it is. I'll just tell you, I've walked down that road. For the first two weeks, it's bad. I mean, you're sad. You walk by their room, you think about they're not there anymore. You know, in the evening when you come home, they're not there. But after about two weeks, you go and sit down and you get the remote to yourself. <laughs> there is nobody fighting for that. It's there. And, the, and what's so wonderful is that when you get up in the morning and you forget something that's on the other end of the house, you just walk right across in your underwear and go get it, baby. That's all right. You don't worry about nobody else, right? <laughs> Come on, somebody. Right. You don't matter. I'm going to get my stuff. That's right. Now, if I keep talking about that, some of you are going to kick your middle schoolers out right now, aren't you? <laughs> Number two is this. The second thing I would say is this. Fathers must believe the good seeds are growing in their children. We must believe that. Look what happens here in our story. So, so the prodigal son has left. Again, you know, this is like a prodigal father. The, the father's not a prodigal, but he's a, he's a main topic here. 
It says this, he's left. He's done all this crazy stuff. He's lost everything he's had. He's having to eat uh, out of the, uh, the trough of the pigs. And look what happens. It says, when he came to his senses, and there's nothing like a hard time that'll make you come to your senses, amen? amen. I, think the, I think the problem that we struggle with as parents is letting our children have a hard time so they can come to their senses. And again, I, I just got to reemphasize that some people are never going to come to their senses as long as we keep bailing them out. Okay, all right, that's all right. He came to his senses and he said, how many of my father's hired men have no food to spare and here I am starving to death. Do you see the seeds? He's starting to think about how good it was at his dad's house. I will sit out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. Now, what he's, what he's saying, what he's saying is that there was some seeds that were sown in his life. Even though he'd been rebellious, he'd walked away, so he wished his father was dead. He pretty much told him, I wish you would die so I'd get your money. And all the, every mean thing you could say, he could say, but when he got down and out, the good seed that the father had sown was beginning to grow. Now, I want to ask you a question here, men. How many of you dads in this room, anybody beside me wish you could go back and have a redo moment as being a father? Anybody beside me? Yes, we all have regrets. And I don't know any fathers that don't feel like failures. I don't know. I don't know a one father that doesn't feel like I just don't measure up. I don't know. I don't know one father says I got it all right. No, we don't get it all right. We wish we could go back and have some redos. And the devil will make sure when your children are having problems, he will make sure that you remember those moments that you wish you could do over because he would say, if you didn't do that, then they wouldn't be doing that. And that is a lie from the pit of hell, everybody. Amen. You are, you are, you are not the reason that your child has a problem. They're, they're a human being and they make decisions on their own. And the bad thing is they get their own brain. They get to use it the way they choose. Amen. It's not about you. You're not the reason. You're not the, you're not the reason that they do what they do. And, and that's what the devil will tell you is that it's because of you. And when you begin to live that and you take on all that responsibility that every problem your child has is because of you, then you will get into deep, dark depression. Amen. I got some news for you. Look at this picture right here coming up. Look at this. You know who that is? That's Adam and Eve. That is the best picture we could find without it looking like an advertisement for Naked and Afraid. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Chin and I were looking, trying to find a picture to show you that was appropriate. And we, we, we was like, man, we can't show that. We can't show that. Like, dang. You see these two, Adam and Eve. That's God's first children, right? I mean, the human beings, children. And God, our Heavenly Father, wouldn't you, don't we agree that our Heavenly Father is perfect, everybody? Don't we agree with that? He's perfect. But He had these two. He had these two. Oh, they can take the picture. You can go ahead and take the picture down now. We don't, yeah, that's it. He had those two. Perfect. I mean, he had him in this perfect garden. He had everything perfect. Everything was perfect all around them. Every, I mean, every animal was nice. Everything, nothing wrong. And they just had one tree. 
one tree. Just don't, don't eat from that tree. Just don't. And God, being the perfect father, had two children that messed up big time. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, a lot of the stuff we go through today is because our grandparents. Right? Ladies, when you give birth to that child, they feel like they're pulling your upper lip over your head. It's called Eve. Right? And Adam. I just want to say, man, it's crazy. It's crazy. We had God was the perfect father, and his children messed up. And if he was the perfect father that never made any mistakes and his children still messed up, why are you still beating yourself up so bad about your kids being messed up? Amen? All right. Look what it says. It go back to verse 17. He says, and when he came to his sisters, he said, how many of my father's hired men have no food? To, I have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. As dads, we have done many things wrong, all of us. We've, none of us are perfect, but one thing that we have is that we did sow some good seed along the way. I don't care how bad you think you were, there was some good that you sowed along the way, amen? And, and even though your kids have never said anything about it, they're still thinking about it. And that's why Proverbs 22, 6 is such a powerful, powerful verse. Look what it says. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he gets older, he will not what everybody? He will not depart. That does not mean that he will not stray away and he will not go his own way. What it means is the seeds that you sowed into their life will never leave them. They can try to get away from the seed, but the seed follows them. Amen. They can't get away from the seed. Every time, every time they saw you pay your bills on time, it was a seed that was sown. Every time that they saw you be kind to a, a person in public, it was a seed that was sown. Every time they seen you be kind to their mother, it was a seed that was sown. Every time they saw you go to church, it was a seed that was sown. Every time they, they knew that you made them go to church with you, it was a seed that was sown. Every time they seen you pick up God's Word and just hold the Bible, it was a seed that was sown. Every time they looked at you when you did anything good, it was a seed that was sown. And so I want to tell you, those good seeds are growing. And the reason that they're so mad at you, and the reason they get so angry at you, is because those seeds will not leave them alone. They can be 25 years old and trying to live for the devil, but the good godly seeds that are in them are still talking to them and still working in their life. And that's why they're mad at you. They're mad at you. Why? Because they can't get away from you. And it's not you. It's the Holy Spirit of God that's in them. It's the goodness of God that's in them. It's a good seed that is growing inside of them. And that seed is chasing them. Amen? They can't get away from it. Oh, you ought to be feeling better right now. Because no matter how bad you think you were, there was some, some good... And all it takes is a little seed, amen? It's that seed that's growing and making them groan. So I got a next step for you. On your connection card, I hope everybody will fill one of these out. And if you will, we're going to pray over you. We think you're worth praying over, so drop it in the bucket. The next step says this, I will do my best to plant good seed 
and those around me. I hope everybody will check that box so we can pray over you about that. You see, that's why we keep talking about you need to be a part of a church. I don't know one person that comes to me and now in their adult life and they've had all kinds of mess ups that said, oh, I'm so sad my parents got me to go to church. No, some of them said, now, my parents had me on drugs. They drugged me to Sunday, drugged me to Wednesday, drugged me to group, they drugged me to that. But it did me good. And let me just tell you something. Being a part of a church is so critical in the day in which we live because you're going to attach yourself to something, and whatever you attach yourself to is going to determine your direction. And so I want to encourage everybody, if you've been here, if you've been here a couple of weeks, it's time for you to get on track with Grow Track. Amen, everybody? Amen. I, want you to, I, want to, I want to partner with you. I think God wants us to do something great in our community, and I want to partner with you. And, it, and the way we do that is through Growth Track. That's where our membership process is. See, you need to know me, and I need to know you, and that's what it's all about. And so I want you to sign up for Growth Track. If you've not been baptized, next week we are putting people under that water. Amen. You know, there's something in that water you need to go under. If you've not been baptized, sign up today on your connection card. Be baptized, everybody. Amen? Amen. Something about that. That kid goes, that see, it's a seed. We baptize children here. It's a seed that's sown when they go under that water. When they see their parents be baptized, it's a seed that's sown that's good, that grows. All right, number three. Fathers always are always praying for the return of their children or their child. Look at this. So he got up and went to his father. The prodigal said, I don't want you anymore. I don't like you anymore. And he's come to his senses. The seeds are growing. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with what, everybody? Compassion. Compassion. He wasn't thinking about, oh, here he comes, coming back. I'm going to make him beg his way back. No, 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 no. He's filled with compassion. He ran to his son, and he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. The father was looking because he wasn't living in the 21st century, where there's social media, where you, can, you know, you're, you're about five people away from anybody on social media. Didn't have the authorities to go after him. He just had to wait. And some of you right now, even with all the technology, are having to wait. We're just having to wait. We're having to wait to see what God's going to do and when it's going to happen because we prayed for it so long. But we don't give up because we keep praying. That's what the father did. He prayed for his children. He continued to pray and believe. You see, praying for our children always keeps us looking for them to come back. We're not so much looking for them to come back to us, but looking for them to come back to God. Amen, everybody praying for we don't ever stop praying for our children never stop praying you say pastor i'm not good at that that's all right if you say god help my child that's a prayer amen, amen. don't you worry about sounding like somebody stands on the stage and prays no 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 you sound like you and it comes from your heart and god hears those prayers amen everybody amen. pray for that we believe that god loves our children a thousand times more than we do I remember sitting in a counselor's office because I was going through some issues with, you know, my children and feeling like I, you know, I, I need, I didn't know what to do. 
So I sat in a counselor. He said, Jeff, you've got to remember this, that God loves your child a thousand times more than you do. Man, that changed everything for me. He said, you see, he's on, he and she are on loan from God. They're no longer yours anymore. He said, matter of fact, the older your children get, the more they should become like your friends instead of father-child. But, but they'll always be God's child. Isn't that comforting everybody? And that means if I'm concerned about them, that God's a trillion times more concerned about them. That gives comfort to all of us to know that, that God is with us. God's with our children. I want you to see this picture of this family. Just go ahead and put that up. Anybody recognize who that is? Billy Graham, the greatest preacher of our lifetime. Millions and millions of people come to Christ because of Billy Graham. And there's this family, you know, that young family. That's the perfect photo right there. And we think, man, okay, well, this, if anybody got it right, it's got to be Billy Graham. I mean, if nobody messed up, it's got to be Billy Graham. I want you to know, you're looking at, uh, at five of his children. I think it was five there. I think it was five. Four of those, ended, their, their marriages ended in divorce. We put the perfect person, but yet his children had struggles. One of those daughters, I think it's his third child, third or fourth child. Her name was Ruth. She was named after her mother. She had been warned when she was about to marry. Her parents warned her that this guy is not right. And she, she was rebellious. She was being a prodigal child. And, and she, she married the wrong guy. And then, of course, that didn't work out. And so after that one broke up on the rebound, she married another wrong guy. And then that one didn't work out, and her parents said, so tried to get her to slow down, and she married another wrong guy. And then after that one, she married another wrong guy. So she wasn't just divorced one time, I think it was four times. But at the end of that, when she hit bottom, when she came to her senses, the only place she could go was home. And she was wondering what her father was going to say when she got home, and so... She called and said she was coming, and sure enough, she pulled into the driveway. And when she pulled into the driveway, her dad was standing there. She was dreading it. What was he going to say? She felt so low. She disappointed her whole family. She disappointed her dad. And she got out of her car, and she walked toward him. And he never said anything until she got right to him. He reached out his arm. He put his arms around her and said, welcome home. Welcome home. You see, I'm not just talking about your children or my children today. I'm talking about you. Because we are God's prodigals. Just about everybody in this room has done your own thing. And many of us have come back to God. See, that's the prodigal, right? That's what this story is all about. It's about a, Jesus telling an earthly story with a heavenly meaning that our heavenly Father loves us so much that even when we went away and we've done the craziest thing and we said, just give us your money. We don't want you. Won't you die? When we say that vile thing to heaven, our heavenly Father, that he still is longing for us to come home. And today, the question is this. If you're a prodigal son, child right now, you may be 80 years old and still a prodigal. Or you may be 15 or 50. This is what God is saying to you with his arms outstretched. Welcome home. He's waiting on you just to make this move toward him. How do you do that? That's the question. How do I do that? 
And you simply do it by asking his son Jesus to be the savior of your life. And when you pray that prayer, dear Lord Jesus, come into my life. Jesus himself physically is not coming and going to meet you face to face and get inside of you. No, his Holy Spirit, which is like the wind, you cannot see it. You only feel its effect. And that's exactly what comes in when you ask him. So would you mind right now, let's bow our heads online and here in the room. Would you, if this is, if you today are a prodigal and that you're not living and you want to return home to the Heavenly Father today, would you just say this prayer in your mind and heart? Dear Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin because I have done wrong against you. I need you. I need you to save me today. Thank you. Thank you for hearing my prayer. And thank you for coming to my life, dear God. Amen. Can we give God a hand for all those people who prayed that prayer? Amen. Just check it on this card. If you're in the room today, check it on the cards that are prayed the prayer to become a Christ follower so we can send you some information that will help you on your journey. You know, it's amazing to me today is how many people do that every week. That's why we do it. The fourth thing I want to give you is this, is that fathers never quit being fathers. If you have a child, you are a father. I don't care what your girlfriend called you. I don't care what your mother-in-law called you. I don't care what names people called you. I don't care. If you have a child, you are a father. And fathers don't quit. There's a story I want to share with you today as we get ready to conclude our service today. It's a story about a man by the name of Nehemiah. Nehemiah saw the city's walls of Jerusalem that were, had been torn down. All of his people were being abused because of that. Criminals were coming in and stealing everything they had. And, and God had put it in his heart to go and help rebuild that wall. And so he goes into the city of Jerusalem. And as he's making his way into the city of Jerusalem, he goes in and he begins to uh, organize the people and they begin to rebuild the walls of the city. And, and the enemies don't like it because they realize once the wall is built, there's some, some protection there and they can't just keep uh, raping the people of all their goods. And so while they're doing this, all of a sudden Nehemiah's up on the wall building and the enemy has tried to get him to come several times and they keep trying to come, keep trying to come. And Nehemiah 6 and 3, it says this. It says, while he was up there working on the wall, he says, so I sent messengers to them saying, I'm doing a good work. I'm doing a great work. So I cannot come down. Why should, why should the work cease while I leave and go down to you? What he was saying was, is that the men, that, the enemies that were trying to get him, were trying to distract him and get him to come down off the wall and quit working. And really they were going to try to harm him. But his message to his enemy was this, is I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. I just want to tell every father in this room and everyone that's watching online right now, I want to look you right in the eye and I want to tell you if you're a dad, you're doing a great work and you cannot come down. Our kids need us now more than ever. We need men to stand up and we need dads with backbones to stand up that don't run out when difficult times come. Amen, everybody. And listen, we need dads to stand. We need men more than ever to be men in our homes and we need, we need fathers to be fathers 
others and to know that I'm going to love you. I'm going to discipline you. I'm going to show you the right way. And I'm not going to leave you. I'm not running out on you. I'm not running out on your mother. You can count on me. Why? Because I'm doing a good work and I can't come down. I don't care what distractions come my way. I don't care who's calling me. I'm not leaving my calling. My calling is to be a father on this earth. You say, I'm not called by God. If you're a father, if you have a child, you have a calling by Almighty God to hang in there with your children. Don't you walk out on your children. You call your children. You be the man that they can look up to. And you, no matter what you've done now, you start over today and be the man that you can be. You can be better than you are. Let's do it together. Let's don't leave them hanging out for somebody else. No, we don't need a gang member to be a father. We will be our father. We will be a father to our children. Amen? Amen. Come on, stand with me, everybody. We're going to be fathers. We are going, we're doing a great work and we cannot come down. Amen? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter what you've done. You say, well, Jeff, I just messed up so bad. Start over today. Start over today and be the father. Be the father that you can be. Dad, you're heroes. You're heroes. I know the world, the world doesn't celebrate men a lot right now. It doesn't celebrate fathers a lot right now. But let me tell you something. Dad, you're a hero. You're a hero. And we need you. I'm going to ask you to do something with me. If you're not a father, and, and listen, if you're a stepfather, I'm talking to you. So if, if you are not a father, would you please be seated if you're not a father? So all our fathers are going to remain standing. Look at this good-looking sight right here. Isn't this awesome, everybody? See, I reversed that on them. See, I, they thought I was going to make them stand up. See, they could have sat back down, but now we got them. We got them. We want to pray for our fathers today. There is no one under more attack than our fathers. And I want to tell you today that you are in a spiritual calling. God has called you. You say, well, pastor, you know, you don't know because that was a one-night stand and all of a sudden we had a, no, 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 no. You might have been foolish and you might have felt like it was an accident, but if you got a child, it was no accident. God knew that child was coming. So they're going to be fathers. What I'd like for you to do with me is I want to pray for you. So I'd like for every dad to bow your heads now. And i like, if you're around them, would you just stretch your hand toward them right now? We're going to ask God's anointing and favor over our fathers. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, we, Lord, right now, every father in this room, Lord, Lord, whether they're 18 or they're 80, oh God, we receive our calling as fathers, and we, Lord, want to be better. Lord, we want to help our children. We want to be models for them. And, Lord, there's many of us in the room that we've not done it all right, God. We've made mistakes. But, Lord, we know that you can help us. 
Let us take where we are right now, oh God. Lord, let us try our best to put the past behind us and let us move forward with you. God, I'm asking you to lay your hands on these men now that in the name of Jesus, they be anointed by your presence and by your power and that there would be something mightily happen inside of them today that they realize that, that they're called by you, oh God, and that, Lord, we need their wisdom. We need their guidance, oh Lord. We need them to step into, oh Lord, the role that you've given us, oh God. I pray you bless them, oh Lord. Lord, and I pray, Lord, the gates of hell shall not prevail against them, O oh Lord. I pray you put hedges around our fathers, O oh Lord, that there, Lord, you set your angels charge around them, that no harm come their way, O oh God, and you give them wisdom, O oh Lord, like they never had before. Lord, you give them a loving heart like they've never had before, O oh God. You give them a stern backbone, O oh God, that they can stand in the midst of the storm, O oh God. You give them what they need, O oh Lord, everything that they need to be the Father, that they just so desire to be. God, right now, let your Holy Spirit rain down, and we declare today victory in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, and amen. Amen, everybody. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.